Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So we believe that Elijah is definitely one of them. Most everybody agrees to that. The question is who was the other witness? Who was the other witness? Could it be Moses? In fact, it's interesting, Revelation chapter 11, verse 10 says, Notice, these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So if Moses is one of these people, it, was he a prophet? Yes, he was. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching ministry from Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In our lesson today, we learn more about the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. First, the two witnesses have special protection from God, similar to Elijah's in 2 Kings. Second, they have the power to bring both drought and plague, similar to the power Elijah had described in James chapter 5 and Moses had in Exodus chapter 7 through 12. In the ancient Greek grammar, all the nouns used to speak of the two witnesses in this passage are in the masculine gender. The two witnesses are definitely two men. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. That's why it's so important for us to receive Jesus now. Will people be able to receive Christ after the rapture of the church? Yes, the Bible clearly states that. We've looked at Revelation 7, the 144,000, these two witnesses. There'll be others, many people, who will be saved. But it's going to be really, really difficult, folks. Really difficult. Deception, wars, and all kinds of judgments happening upon the earth. And the Antichrist, this political man, will come on the scene and explain it all away. And everyone will go, oh, we believe that. It sounds so smooth and good. Where's ice cream? Notice, these are two olive trees, verse 4, and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, when we look at these two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth, we have to... um, we have to go back. This is a reference to an Old Testament passage back in the book of Zechariah. And uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 3 talks about um, Joshua the high priest. Remember, the children of Israel were in Babylon. They get released from Babylon. They come back and they begin to rebuild their temple. And that temple is what we called last week Zerubbabel's temple. It's a temple that wasn't as great as Solomon's temple originally was. It was uh, limited in its glory like the first temple. But this chapter 3 of Zechariah 
Joshua, the high priest, who comes back from Babylon, him and Zerubbabel, who's also the governor at that time, they begin to rebuild the temple. And Zechariah chapter 3 talks about Joshua being withstood by the enemy, withstood by Satan, and also Zerubbabel and his attempts to rebuild the temple. There was a man by the name of Sanballat, the Horonite, if you recall. And he and other people were trying to keep the temple from being built again. They wanted to keep the Jews from rebuilding their temple. They were under great duress, so much so that they had to have one shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. That's how difficult things got. And as you look at what these two, um, these two witnesses, what they're going through as well, they are in, they are, they're at that time of this tribulation temple and are they under duress yes you better believe it just like these two other men joshua and zerubbabel let me read this to you it says now the angel who talked with me uh this is zechariah chapter four the angel who talked back or uh talked with me excuse me came back and awakened me as a man who was waking out of sleep and he said to me what do you see and so i said i am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and a stand seven and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand of the bowl and the other uh, at its left. And so I answered and I spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me said to me, Don't you know what these are? And I almost want to go, um, No, I, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't know. Please tell me. And he goes, No, my Lord. And so he answered and said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the way that temple was going to be built, was by the Spirit of God, by his divine intervention. And who are you, O great mountain, God says, before Zerubbabel? Who shall become, uh, you shall become a plain, and you shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands have also finished it. Then you will know that the Lord God of hosts has sent me to you, and who, uh, for who has despised the day of small beginnings? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, and these are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. And then I answered, and I said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And then he said to me, Do you not know what these are? And at this point, I'd be looking at the angel and going, Just tell me. <laughs> he said, No, my Lord. He said, These... This is the verse. These are the anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And so now we get the answer in the very last verse of chapter 4. Who are these olive trees and these lampstands? And the answer is these are the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And I believe that these two witnesses of Revelation are real people who personify. They may not be Joshua and Zerubbabel. They may not be, but they're going to serve a similar function. I believe they personify those two olive trees and those two lampstands because these men, the olive trees and the oil they yield symbolize, we know, the Holy Spirit of God, right? And oil is used to light those lamps so that the lights might illuminate to bring light. And Joshua and Zerubbabel began the work of the new temple after the Babylonian captivity with much toil and persecution. And so, too, these witnesses 
will be undergoing great persecution and a third temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. And so they are uh, very similar in nature, and I believe they personify it. In fact, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Hitchcock said, These two end-time witnesses will shine in the darkness of the tribulation and will be fueled by the oil of the Holy Spirit. I love that. So, who might these witnesses be? There are three good candidates. There are three individuals in church history that are at the top of the list. There are others, but these are the three most important ones. And so those are the only ones we're going to take a quick look at today. They're individuals. Nearly all Bible scholars, pastors, commentators agree. And the first one is Elijah. Elijah. In Malachi chapter 4, Beginning in the fourth verse, it says this, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Notice this. I will send you. Now, this is an Old Testament prophet. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I think... It's happening in the book of Revelation right now, right? This is the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a day. It's a period of time. The day of the Lord is a period of time. And he's certainly doing that. And he says, I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and coming, uh, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, it's interesting as we look at Matthew chapter 7, uh, or Matthew chapter 11, excuse me, Jesus says something that kind of confuses some of the, uh, some of the uh, disciples. It says in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 7, As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, this is John the Baptist, And he said to them, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in king's houses. But what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Which is a a reference to Malachi chapter 3. And he goes on, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that kind of leads me to believe that, is John the Baptist coming back? Look with me at Matthew 17. We're going to read the first 13 verses because there's a lot of stuff here that will give us some understanding. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah... Notice, at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ on this mountain, who appears to Jesus and to the other two disciples, the other three, but Moses and Elijah. Moses standing for the law and Elijah standing for the prophets. These two really comprise the whole Old Testament. The law and the prophets. And while he was still speaking, I'm sorry, uh, verse 4, Then Peter answered and said, uh, I love Peter, Lord, it's good for us to be here. 
If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, thank God, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Remember, it's all about Jesus, right? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came, and he touched them, and he said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, selling, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? We just read that in the prophet, right? Why does he say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And notice verse 13. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So was John the Baptist Elijah? No, he's not. When John the Baptist came, he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 21, the disciple, or the Pharisees and the Sadducees from Jerusalem, they asked him point blank. They asked him, it says, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. <laughs> are you the prophet? Spoken of in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Are, are you the Messiah? No. So he clearly said, I'm not Elijah. But Jesus would say he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He partially fulfilled this scripture in this Old Testament in Malachi 4, verse 5. He partially fulfilled it, but we know that Elijah is yet to come. He's yet to come. And I believe that he will be coming upon the earth here in this tribulation temple. One of these two witnesses. And we'll see why that is. These plagues that we see in Revelation 11 that we've already read, they're very reminiscent of the plagues and the things, the miracles that Elijah did in the Old Testament. You remember in Second Kings chapter 1, there was a time when Ahaziah the king was sending ambassadors, 50 in a group, sending them to Elijah, and Elijah called down fire from heaven and consumed the 50 men. <laughs> and when they didn't return, Ahaziah sent another 50 and they are consumed in fire. Elijah calls down fire because they were trying to arrest him. Finally, the third embassage comes, 50 more men. And by this time, word is spread. And the guy, the leader of the group says, don't kill me. I've got a family and kids. I've got a motorhome I've never used. I want to go camping. <laughs> He's like, don't kill me. And you know what? God says, go with them. So Elijah did go with him. But Elijah called down fire. And we also saw that in 1 Kings chapter 17. When Elijah called down fire from heaven, uh, 17 and 18 actually, he called down fire and consumed the altar at the, the showdown of the prophets of Baal. You recall that scene. He calls down fire. And also prior to that, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, we see Elijah able to shut the heavens so that it wouldn't rain for three entire years. There'd be a, a heavy drought upon the land. He had this ability to do this. So we believe that Elijah is definitely one of them. Most everybody agrees to that. The question is, who was the other witness? Who was the other witness? Could it be Moses? In fact, it's interesting, Revelation chapter 11, verse 10 says, Notice, these two prophets... 
tormented those who dwell on the earth. So if Moses is one of these people, was he a prophet? Yes, he was. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, what does it say? I will raise up for them a prophet like you, God says, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. In Deuteronomy 34, he said a similar thing. He says in verse 10, But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses. So even God calls Moses a prophet. So he certainly qualifies to be one of these two. And again, these two witnesses... Elijah and Moses, they performed similar miracles that we're going to see or that we've already read. But let's look at Moses. You know that Moses contended with Pharaoh in the Old Testament. In fact, Exodus chapter 7 through 11 speaks to us concerning the plagues, the ten plagues that came upon Egypt. And Pharaoh was like a type of the Antichrist, wasn't he? When Moses and Aaron, his brother, had to contend with Pharaoh, who was like a type of the Antichrist, in the way of God's program, not allowing the the children of Israel to leave and to go. And as a result of his stubbornness, God allowed Moses to bring plagues upon Egypt, blood in the water, turning the Nile into blood, allowing hail to come down. In fact, in Revelation chapter uh, 11, verse 6, it says, These have power to shut heaven. We see that in Elijah. So that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. They also have the power to turn waters into blood. We see that in the life of Moses, even, in the Old Testament. And to strike the earth with his plagues as many as they would like. And we see that in Exodus chapter 7. And later on in chapter 16, when we see the bulls of the wrath of God being opened, we're also going to see hail coming from heaven and a hundred pound weights. Can you imagine a hundred pound chunk of ice falling out of the sky? Putting a cover over your car is not going to help. <laughs> it's going to be a big deal. So, in a Moses and Elijah, they appear with Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. But someone will say, well, it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. If Moses were one of the two, he would have to die a second time. I don't know, I'm not really hung up on that. Because Moses did die, and this is why we have, why some have said that Elijah and Enoch should be the other two witnesses. Elijah never died. He was taken up into a whirlwind. In fact, in, uh, we'll look at uh, Enoch in a, in a few moments. But just because he died doesn't mean that he can't be one of these two witnesses. Jesus resurrected a 12-year-old girl. She died. She was resurrected. Jesus resurrected Lazarus, but ultimately Lazarus would have to die again, a physical death. Dorcas, in Acts chapter 9, she was raised to life from the dead by Peter. And even us at the rapture, there is a group of us, and hopefully it's all of us, when the rapture occurs, we will be raised, and we will not see death. But the vast majority of people on the earth, it is true that they will die a physical death and then the judgment. But it's not true for every single human being that's ever lived. It's more of a, uh, an overwhelming kind of blanket statement, if you will. But what about Enoch? Was Enoch a prophet? Yes, he was. In fact, what does the Bible say? In Jude chapter 1, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, 
about these men also, speaking of lawless men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are godly, or ungodly, excuse me, among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way, in the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So even before the flood, we have Enoch, who was a prophet. And what does the scripture say in Genesis 5 concerning Enoch? He lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And notice verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. The idea is literally God translated him. You could even say he raptured him. So it could be Elijah and Enoch or Elijah and Moses. The church in the early first century believed both of these two views. It was either Enoch and Elijah or, or Elijah and Moses. I personally believe that these two witnesses are Elijah and Moses. Because they do sum up the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. And who was there on the Mount of Transfiguration but these two men? Calling down similar, uh, similar uh, judgments upon the earth. And God can use them again. And even though they may die again, God is able to raise them. Is he not? Lazarus died. He was raised again. And then he died. And guess what? He's going to be resurrected again. Think about the, the yo-yo that that guy must feel like. It's like, I don't even know if I'm alive or dead. <laughs> I love that. So I believe these two are Elijah. And let's go on to verse 5. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth, devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm uh, harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven. We looked at that. So that rain doesn't fall in the days of their prophecy. They have the power over waters to turn them to blood. We saw that in the life of Moses. And to strike the earth with all plagues, very reminiscent of the ten plagues in Egypt and Exodus. But notice now what happens in verse 7. It says, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. This is the Antichrist. When he finally comes to power, he is going to be so furious with these two individuals, he's going to want to just crush them. He wants to destroy them, just like he wants to destroy any believer. And he wants to destroy you. The Antichrist is not on the earth now, but the devil, he doesn't like you. He wants to destroy you. Even as a Christian, he knows he can't take away your salvation, but he can make your life miserable. He can bring you into bondage, if the Lord wills, he can bring you into bondage to addictions. And I believe God, with the Spirit of God in you, is able to break those addictions, but you have to be willing to let it happen. You've got to be willing to put feet on it. You've got to be willing to pray and really call upon the Lord often. I meet people say, well, I called upon the Lord, it didn't work. And I'm like, what? You called upon the Lord and it didn't work. Well, how many times did you call? I just once. I was in a bad jam and I called on him and nothing happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess he really doesn't work. I should renounce my faith too. I mean, really? Didn't Jesus say, knock and keep knocking? Seek and keep seeking? You keep knocking. You keep seeking. You don't give up. And he doesn't do that just to treat you harshly. There's something in the waiting of all of that that changes us, that makes our character so different, so like his. 
And isn't that what it's really all about? Sanctification? Isn't he sanctifying you right now? Is anybody here not being sanctified? Is he not conforming you to his image? And to be conformed to the image of Christ is not pie in the sky all the time. In fact, often there is tribulations and trials that are associated with it. Nobody knew that better than Jesus. What did it say in Isaiah 53? He was a man of sorrows. Can you recognize, um, does that agree with you? Does that sound familiar? Just because you're a Christian. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.